Hello, and welcome to our podcast, What Makes Them Tip? Innovations that changed everything, where we hear from business leaders and entrepreneurs about the moment, insight, or inspiration that made everything possible, and ultimately push them over the tipping point. I'm Mike Strada, founder and CEO of Arcalea, where we inspire business change by introducing data science, formal analytics, and provide implementation from marketing. Moneyball for growth-oriented businesses, we say success is now a science. Stay with us, and at the end of the show, we'll share how you can be the next guest on one of the fastest-growing podcasts in the industry. And with that, let's get started. Hello and welcome to What Makes Them Tip, innovations that changed everything. I'm Jeff and once again, I have the privilege of talking to amazing people who are truly innovating in their particular entrepreneurial space and we get to hear their stories. And today's guest, he started working in the family business right out of college and helped expand it from a 15 person operation to one that now employs over 800 people across 20 offices around the country and under his leadership has grown to be the third largest provider of design and design related services in the country. Please welcome Chairman and CEO of Nelson Worldwide, Ozzy Nelson. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Jeff. It's a pleasure to be here. Hey, we are glad that you took the time uh, to spend with us today. I can't wait to kind of get into your story. Um, you've been doing this for a long time there and have had just like immense success. We want to get to the bottom of how you managed to accomplish the things you've accomplished. But let's start off by just telling us for, first, what does Nelson do? Yeah, sure. So today... Uh Nelson is uh, a, a global firm providing design architecture, consulting um, in, a, in a broad uh, range of ways, uh, focused largely on the built environment. And then we have a sister company named Win Winward, which is a MBE company uh, that is a MEP fire protection and uh, lighting design company. Awesome. And Nelson has been in business then for, for a long time. How many years has it been in, around? We have been in business for 43 years and um, have, uh, during that time, gone through, you know, pretty steady growth. But uh, I think that almost the, the modern day Nelson was uh, kind of born about three years ago when we uh, acquired two large firms and grew to double uh, our, our size to about the size that we are today. Awesome. Well, we want, I want to really kind of unpack how you got to that point where you're where you uh, are acquiring other businesses and stuff. It didn't start that way. Obviously, you, you when you graduated college, you you walked in uh, and and started working for your your father, right? Yes. Tell correct. me about the kind of those early days. What were you doing at that time? So I uh, I got a business degree, uh, entered this uh, as you said, fifteen person uh, boutique design firm, and I have to admit, in the beginning, uh, uh, you know, it, it it seemed like the craziest thing I had ever done. You know, I was this business guy that wanted to go into a business that had scale. And this was a, you know, a boutique design firm. And so about two years into it, when I was uh, actually kind of planning to, to move on to something else, um, you know, my, my story uh, has, uh, as I think a lot of these stories do, have sort of a dumb luck part of it, a lot of hard work and a little bit of dumb luck. And so the dumb luck part was that corporate America was shifting from providing a lot of architectural and design services internally uh, to now starting to outsource uh, what they believed were not their core competencies. So you take a guy that had a business background now in a boutique design firm, uh, and we were um, we were able to really take advantage of this environment where the client 
was looking for an ongoing relationship that included project management and account management, um, which really fit much more to my expertise, uh, coupled with what the firm did as a design firm. So we grew pretty rapidly um, using that that formula of uh, being able to put people on site with corporate America, sign multi-year contracts. Um, And then uh, along the way, one of the things that I worked with a a group of, of young techies to develop was a bi-directional link uh, between the AutoCAD software uh, and a database so that we could not only do projects uh, for these large clients, but we could actually help them to track and charge back their portfolio. So we, we really became a strategic partner to them. That's awesome. What, what was the, um, what, when did you get to the point where, you know, this is like, uh, this is what, cause it sounded like you weren't necessarily going to yeah. be, what do you think was kind of that moment that where you said, you know what, no, this is, I might be in this for the long haul and you have been thus far. Yeah. So, um, two, two pieces. One was, uh, the first assignment that we got on this, this outsourcing, uh, if you will, was with Cigna insurance. And, uh, so that was an exciting piece of business. And I, I, I started to get much more, uh, see much more of the possibilities. And then in um, 1990, there was a large merger of, uh, or it was a merger of two uh, regional banks. MNC Financial was the bank that was created. Um, we had a chance to provide this suite of services and people on site. And we, we went from like 20 people to 60 people in a very short period of time. Wow. Um, and uh, that relationship ran its course. And then they were acquired uh, by Nations Bank, which would then become modern day Bank of America. So um, it was now this opportunity that really matched what my aspirations were, was, was to be working with this behemoth almost as a, you know, a, a, an extension of them uh, really understanding their strategies in terms of how they were acquiring other banks, um, and and really kind of fitting in this this combined role of uh, some you know attached to their business strategy, but executing on the physical environment pieces. Yeah, and it sounds like I mean, how do you adjust to almost tripling your workforce over overnight? Like what what was that like? What kind of obstacles did you run into when that occurs, or? Um, you know, I would, uh, first of all, I would say that, um, I was never suited to work in a 15 person firm. And so uh, as much as there were the, the, um, stressors of growing to 60, I felt, I felt like a fish getting into water. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was the, 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 the stress was less, uh, much less of a factor for me than the, the aggravation of a, of a, you know, a very small boutique firm. Um, I think that I think one of the things throughout the story, you know, I'll fast forward and say that, you know, and we can we can cover the whys. You know, we were a firm that has acquired, uh, you know, 40 plus firms uh, to get to our current size. Um, you know, certain things become more important as an organization grows, I believe. And um, when you're smaller, um, culture is not one of them. Um, mm-hmm. Bigger you get, the more important culture gets. Mm-hmm. So I think you can go much more easily from 20 to 60 than you can from 200 to 600. Mm. Um, it's, it, you know, it's beyond your reach. And now um, if you don't all have a common sense of purpose, a common structure, um, you know, I think that's where kind of disaster can set in or, you know, that's where it really can become, um, you can get over your skis, if you will. Yeah. How do you, how do you, 
how do you establish that new culture then when, when you've acquired a, a, another group of people like that? Um, you know, so our story, you know, in, in the beginning, um, I, you know, and I, and I would say, you know, one of the things that I, I hope to leave with the audience, one of the reasons that I, I do these is um, uh, uh, there's nothing really uh, special about me uh, other than, uh, you know, perhaps I'm um, uh, willing to work a lot harder than some. Mm. Um, and I think I've been just uh, very creative um, in uh, how to put deals together, how to fund things. Um, and so um, much of our merger acquisition in the beginning, um, I, you know, for the first 11 mergers, I put together, together a non-cash formula, kind of saw the industry trends in which smaller firms were really being forced to be part of a larger firm if they were going to stay in servicing corporate America. So um, by putting this non-cash formula together, I was able um, so in, uh, I want to say 2003 to 2006, we went from about uh, $12 million to $53 million in annual revenue, um, to about 13 merger acquisitions, all non-cash deals. Um, but what we were able to do is put a win-win proposition together with firms who were facing the same kind of headwinds that we were and created an opportunity for them to become, you know, more profitable and still own us, you know, still continue to own a stake in their, their companies. Um, so, you know, in those early days, uh, again, much less about a common culture and much more about finding partners who had what I was looking for in terms of the capabilities of their firm and were willing to do the deal um, you know, for a non, in a non-cash formula. Um, as you would imagine, and as I just said, the more of those you add up um, and the more the culture gets misaligned, uh, I think there have been uh, a number of times, including um, even at this size uh, this year, one of the things that we've done is kind of double down in going back and reorienting the firm um, at large in terms of what our objectives are, how we want to operate, you know, what, are, um, what, what we value and really what we believe our culture to be. Um, so I think I think it's a combination of number one, as we look to do deals in the future, we'll be much more sensitive to culture. But I think we measure culture and we reinforce culture all the time today. Mm-hmm. One of the things I I was uh, noticing on your website is that you have a ninety four percent client retention rate. But in, but on top of that, like that's to me that's huge just alone. But then. You've got 50 plus clients with over 10 years of relationship with you guys. Um, how important is that retention to kind of the growth of your business, would you say? Yeah, you know, for our business, it's critical. I think it's one of the things that's, um, you know, so I'm a business guy thrown into what is usually an architect's world. Mm. Um, so I think for, for that um, for that reason, I, I tend to see... I try to see the things that I should see that's hard for a business guy to see, which means I need to constantly reorient myself. Um, but I think I see things that others don't, which is again, um, not only, you know, I think there's a belief in our industry that you either do the really sexy projects and you're a design firm or you're a service firm and you do the less than sexy stuff, but you get the ongoing gigs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I dare to believe that you can do both. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think our firm uh, kind of, you know, the, the proof is in the pudding, to your point. Um, you know, you'll see a lot of high profile one time pro- one time uh, projects on the website. But what you'll see is this um, ongoing relationship, because, you know, I think that's about um, having the right ego, 
um, or having the you know right-sized ego, uh, being able to continually see things through a client lens. And I think in an environment that continues to change, um, it's not, you, you never really can be complacent and you never can really look about what the relationship has about the relationship has been about to get here. It's really how is your serve, your client going to continue to evolve, and how do you continue to be evolved to be worthy as to be a partner with them? Yeah, and and then so when you when you have when you have that kind of retention, um, obviously you you must be doing something right because customers don't want to go anywhere else if they're sticking around with you. Um, what do you think is kind of the key to that? I, I, you know, I think it's that, I think it's that, um, that evolution that, you know, as, as much as people don't want to hear it, I mean, um, there's, I'll say it this way, there's no guarantee Tom Brady's going to win the Super Bowl next year. Right? <laughs> uh, so everybody starts fresh every season, mm-hmm. um, and the cream has to rise. And I think in relationships, um, relationships can get stale and they can get stale largely because people get complacent. Yeah. Um, so I think every time you start a year, it's like starting a new season. And, um, you know, you should take pride and be um, uh, a draw from the equity piggy bank, if you will, in terms of how you got to the table. Mm-hmm. Uh, but never forget that, you know, the client may hit some snags or there may be some innovation. There may be something that they need to really go in a completely different direction. And if you're not close to them, um, uh, you know, you, you're as likely to lose the business as anybody else. You mentioned at the beginning a couple of a couple of things early on that you guys started doing right away to kind of change the way you guys did business. Um, what are some other ways you guys have you would say you have innovated to help that were like tipping points for your company to find the success it has today? Um, I, I think that um, uh, my 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 personal view of risk um, is a little bit different than others. Um, you know, I think a lot of people would look at what I've done. And say, wow, you have this great, it's this great appetite for risk. Um, the reality is, I think I took the le- the less risky path because I saw an industry that was changing. Um, you know, I talked about the early acquisitions. What drove the early acquisitions was, you know, we had this relationship with Bank of America. It was 90% of what we did. Mm-hmm. Um, and Bank of America came to us and said, look, you know what? We love you guys, but we want more, we want fewer vendors who have more of a platform. Um, and it became clear to me, if we didn't step on the gas and find a way to acquire these firms and go from 13 to 53, which sounds reckless, uh, we would have lost our biggest customer um, and we would have been out of business. Mm. So I think there's a there's a risk, uh, you know, there's the risk that people choose to see and the risk that people need to, to, to find. Um, and in a world that changes this much, um, I think you have to be pushing yourself ahead of the, the, the clear risk to continue to evolve. So, you know, I think our whole merger strategy, um, you know, really a, a lot of growth compressed into a, a short time frame. Um, I saw, uh, you know, that a diversified firm from a geography standpoint and a service standpoint were the firms that would survive. So I'll give you a, 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 a statistic around that. So five years ago, what Nelson did, 95% of our services were interior design for corporate workplace. Um, what do you think would have happened to the old Nelson in 2020 when the pandemic happened, right? Mm. Would it just, the, the valves would have shut. Um, because of our diversification strategy, uh, last year, uh, we went from doing almost no industrial two or three years ago to this year, we'll hit about 30 million in annual revenue in industrial. 
industrial is going crazy because of last mile delivery, because of e-commerce. Mm. Um, but, you know, two years ago, three years ago, people said, why get involved in industrial? Um, but it really was this diversification strategy. So if you look at our services today, we're in healthcare, we're in retail, we're in hospitality. So each one of those provides uh, its own journey, if you will, into a market. But then um, I think today, the ability to talk about, um, you know, one of the acquisitions that we acquired made us in a top three in terms of consumer brand and retail, being able to talk about lifestyle and retail trends with all kinds of customers and bring that to uh, healthcare or bring that to workplace. Um, you know, we've we've tried to really look downstream and see, number one, how do we build the divorce, diversified portfolio, even though when we're working on it, we may be flying high with what we're doing now. Um, but it's, you know, I likened it the other day to the, the, the three little pigs, right? It's the who's going to br- build the brick house. And are you going to build the brick house long before the wolf comes down the road? Um, or are you going to be in a panic to try to build this brick house, um, you know, while, while, the, while straw is lying all around you? <laughs> So uh, you so it's been I guess it looks like over almost eighteen years that you have been uh, president or now chairman um, and CEO. If uh, looking back over that time, are there any moments or any uh, can you point to any like obstacles or or areas or maybe even an acquisition or a merger where you're like, nope, not doing that again? Like there was where you learned a lesson that was like, this is something I, I, you know that you took and continued to find success? Um, I think I, I'll, I'll give you two examples, two, two things that come to mind. Number one, um, the economic downturn, um, especially because our business model was so much different and less diversified when that happened than, than the pandemic. Um, the economic downturn was um, a real turning point for me. Um, I like it into being sent to CEO boot camp. Mm. Um, I, I'm an entrepreneur and I learned that there's another lever called expense. Right? <laughs> and, uh, and so um, it, it really gave me, um, while an incredibly, probably the most stressful period in my life, um, it gave me um, a perspective in terms of what we'd, we would ha- have to do to kind of take off the rose colored glasses and really look at cutting to the bone to survive. Um, it gave me a lot of insights into what lenders really care about. Um, and how to negotiate in very difficult times with lenders in a way that keeps your credibility. I think you can navigate through anything with lenders as long as you have credibility. You lose your credibility and you're done. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, so, the, so the downturn uh, was certainly one of them. I think in merger acquisition, um, you know, I would say to those that um, have an appetite for that um, and have an interest to, uh, uh, to do their own merger acquisition, um, I would... Um, be thoughtful about how past performance is an indicator of future uh, results. Um, I think that especially in a changing world, you can look at um, you know a company that was uh, very strong even in the last three years. Um, and if you're not careful about exactly what their formula is, who their customers are, um, how they you know what talent is going to stay, um, you can buy something that slowly has been dying. And uh, there's a couple of times that that happened to me. Thankfully, on a small scale, uh, but I was I was surprised. Just you know, our design and architecture an industry that's really changed from um, an apprentice industry, from an industry that really wasn't very sophisticated from a sales and marketing standpoint. Mm-hmm. So there were a lot of firms that had a name and they always got work, 
And then all of a sudden, other firms really rose and were much more competitive. Um, and they just saw market share shrink and shrink and shrink. Um, and then that happens, then they lose their talent. And so what you end up uh, acquiring is a shell of what you thought it was. Yeah. I want to go back real quick to what you said about uh, maintaining credibility with with uh, lenders. Can you can you elaborate on like what are some good what what's the a key keys to maintaining that kind of credibility? What do you think they're looking for? Um, always advertise only the numbers that you can hit. Mm. Um, you know, nobody penalizes you for doubling your <laughs> sure number, right. Um, so. Um, and on the other hand, it's walking this, uh, you know, depending on who your lender is, is your lender, uh, you know, a, an asset-based lender or they a commercial bank, um, in which case they really care about, uh, they don't want to see you get upside down, right? So they want to see strong liquidity. Uh, they want to see predictability in the business. Those are lenders that would rather not see you stretch uh, mm-hmm. because they're not really being compensated if you're more profitable or not. You know, they, they're really trying to manage risk. And then there, there are you know private equity and equity and cash flow investors uh, for whom you have to walk the balance, right? It, it's uh, it's it's walking and chewing gum at the same time. They want to see um, a business that um, is certainly managing its risk and delivering um, uh, you know a, predictably, but they also want to see you step it up uh, because typically their deals um, either get more expensive and you're going to have to step it up to pay for those deals, or they in fact have a piece of equity and they want to see their equity grow. Yeah. What's the future look like for Nelson? What, what's next? Are, uh, is it going into the thousands of employees and, and more acquisitions? Like what do you guys got coming up down the pike? Uh, so I uh, am a firm believer of looking first at uh, what's in front of you and then mm. you know, having, uh, having aspirations, you know, beyond that. So, um, you know, first and foremost is, you know, we're not out of the pandemic, obviously. Mm. Uh, last year was a challenging year. We navigated it, um, you know, really pretty well want to finish off uh, navigating the pandemic and making sure that we're, you know, rock solid in terms of any acquisition we would look at downstream, but, um, you know, clearly anticipate, particularly as we get into 22, um, you know, this is a consolidating industry. Um, It is an industry that's kind of target rich uh, in terms of uh, opportunities to grow. Uh, So I would not, um, I would not be surprised if, uh, if we more than doubled our size over the next five years. Yeah, that would be great. Well, I mean, I wish you the best of luck with that. That'd be amazing. Um, when you're not, uh, when you're not, um, you know, acquiring new businesses and uh, and running running things over here at Nelson, what what do you like to do in your spare time? Uh, so I have uh, three kids at, at very different ages. I have a daughter that recently got married, and uh, I'm in I'm enjoying uh, you know seeing her start her her life. Mm-hmm. Uh, have another daughter uh, who's here in Minneapolis, uh, who's 26, and then um, and then I have a 17 year old son who's still at home. So um, um, it, it, you know, it's been interesting in the pandemic. I am um, I was a guy who was on the road three to four days a week, and uh, uh, the the one part of all this that was a treat is spending much more time with my wife and uh, much more time with my family. So yeah. I enjoyed that. Um, I am getting back to being a runner. I had knee surgery uh, last summer, but. Uh, I've, uh, I've, I've run a marathon and I've, I've been an active runner. So I enjoy that. Um, and I live, uh, in Minnesota cause I really enjoy this terrain. I love the winters and, uh, I'm pretty, I'm pretty, uh, much an outdoorsman. So, um, so that's probably what I have time for. <laughs> I, you know. 
I love that you say you love the winters in Minnesota. I I have some friends who live there, um, and they you know, refer to it lovingly as Minnesota yes. um, because of all the snow. And I'm I'm in Cleveland, Ohio. We have enough snow right now. You know, a lot of that whole thing that came through the whole country hit us all. Yes. yes. Um, but I, that's awesome that that you love uh, that you. I mean, if you're going to live in Minnesota, you, I guess you better get used to it, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> that's great. That's awesome. Uh, any of the kids uh, thinking uh, that they might enter the family business like you did, or is what's I, that know, future look like? Yeah, I don't. I, neither of my daughters will. Uh, you know, my son is still pretty young. Um, you know, I. Um, you know, I'm a. I'm a. Uh, you know, I'm probably a believer that. Um, you know, the bigger these businesses get, um, you either have somebody who really um, has a great appetite for sure. it and the skill set. Um, or you're probably better off trying to monetize what you've built and, you know, have them put, put the money in where their passions are. Yeah. Yeah. Well, before we go, I want to make sure you have a chance to kind of tell everybody where they can find uh, you find Nelson on the internet, find you um, if they would like to get in touch. Uh, So the first thing I would say is if you query me, um, I would uh, encourage that you query John Ozzy in quotes, Nelson Jr. Uh, Otherwise you will get the 1950s. (laughs) Uh, but if you do that, you should you'll you'll find me in uh, both my uh, company website, which is uh, www or nelsonww.com, and then um, uh, I'm on LinkedIn and Facebook, and um, you know, uh, and pretty aggressive in accepting people as they uh, want to link or connect. Awesome. Hey, thank you so much for sharing kind of your your journey and your experience. It's it's amazing what you you have accomplished over there. Um, you know, I, again, I, I can't help but just kind of like my jaw drops when I read some of the accolades and the things that you guys have accomplished in the, in the time that you've been in, in leadership there. So congratulations for all your success and uh, we wish you the best. Thank you very much. And I, you know, last parting words, I would say, you know, in terms of gratitude, humility uh, for people and, and, and a tenacity to really get whatever your dreams are. Um, I don't think I have really any exceptional skills, except I've tried to embrace those three things. And uh, I think most people will get what they want to if they can do that. So thank you very much, Jeff. Wow. Now that's good advice. That's great. Thanks so much. Thank you. And we thank you for listening to another episode of What Makes Them Tip, Innovations That Changed Everything. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to our show, What Makes Them Tip, Innovations That Changed Everything. If you're an entrepreneurial leader and you'd like to share the inspiration that changed everything in your business or venture, please visit arkalea.com slash guest and a small request. If you've liked this interview, please help us out by sharing this episode with a friend or on social with the hashtag Arkalea. You can also help us out right now by providing a review in your podcast player and a thumbs up or rating review would help a ton. We promise to read every word and it helps us improve a little bit each day. And while you're at it, please also subscribe because every week you're going to be inspired and learn from other leaders in bite-sized increments. Again, my name is Mike Strada. Let's connect either on social or stay up to date on all things business at arcalea.com. Thanks again for listening and thank you for being part of the over 99% of America's firms that make up the entrepreneurial community. Until next time.